All right. So Brittany, Miss Boston Food Journal herself is here with us today. Also founder of the 117 Media Company. Brittany, welcome to the Story to Tell podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm super interested to hear your story. Thanks again for taking the time. I'd love to hear about the origin story of how you started building Boston Food Journal. If you could give us a little background. That'd be great. Yeah. So I started the Boston Food Journal in 2015, which is crazy because that was so long ago now. Um, you know, I grew up in an Italian family. We ate dinner together every day. Um, you know, sitting down at the table together, we would talk about our day and just like spend that family time together. So food for me growing up was always the center of my life and my family's life. And it really represented togetherness. And it was something we just loved to do as like a passion and a hobby. So um, when I first moved to Boston in 2014, after college, I was just like, so excited by the food scene here. I, I didn't, you know, I've never lived in a city. And I was like, Oh, my God, I can just leave my doorstep and go eat Italian or French or Greek um, or Thai food. And I thought that was so cool. And I was actually living with my sister and her and I together kind of continued the legacy of our family by going out to eat a lot after work. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start this thing. I think it'd be fun to just like take pics and share it with my family and my friends. Um, Also at the time I was working in technology and um, because my degree is actually in engineering, that's my background. So I've always been interested in art, you know, growing up, I loved to paint, I loved to draw. And I think for me, it was just also a way to be artistic and kind of create something as well. So I didn't even really have a name picked out. Like the idea came within five minutes and I searched a bunch of things. I was like, okay, Boston Food Journal, that sounds good. And pretty much the rest is history. Um, you know, back in 2015, influencing wasn't a thing. So it wasn't like I was, you know, I didn't really have any intentions. It was just kind of to be artistic and share food with my friends and family. That's great. Yeah, I feel like that's how the best things originate, though. They just come out of a genuine place, something that you're truly passionate about. What part of the city were you living in? Living in? I know you said Italian, so I immediately was like, oh, did she get right into the North End scene or where were you, where were you living? Yeah, so I actually lived in the South End for okay. four years when I first moved here. And funny enough, I'm back in the South End. So to me, that's like, you know, some of my favorite Italian food is actually in the South End, not the North End. So to me, the South End is such an amazing neighborhood. And I just I love it. So yeah, started off in the South End. Yes, you mentioned 2015. Like you said, there wasn't really, you know, the influencer wave hadn't really taken off yet. But I'm thinking back, I feel like blogging was bigger back then. Was that a component of it when you got going? You're right. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, Back then, it was more about being a blogger. That's kind of what we called ourselves bloggers. So I did feel that that I was blogging more. I was writing more. You know, there were all these, you know, Wix and WordPress and all these things came out for people to write. Sure. Um, So I think at the beginning, I definitely aimed to write more. But now, you know, I kind of shy away from that part a little more and would call myself just like a platform or an influencer, which I know that word has some negative connotations. But, um, you know, I try not to call myself a blogger now because I do it when it's like there's a right moment for it. But I just typically prefer to you know, use photography and video to to share things. It's funny you said platform. That's what I wrote down on my uh, little notes here in the stars. Like she's built a platform. I love that. More than just, you know, a channel or paid. Because as you were mentioning before, you've found a way to mesh multiple worlds. Uh, And I think the other one that I don't know if you're 
you know, intentionally doing or not. But what when I was looking through, I'm like, she incorporates a lot of fashion too and the beauty side of things. Yep. So I think that that's important too, because it's not just like a typical food picture per se. Um, there's like exactly. personality behind it. I love to hear you say that because that is my goal. I try to leverage and incorporate food in with fashion because there are two things that I am passionate about. So it's, it's exciting that I've been slowly introducing that and now been able to do it a little bit more consistently just because people are, you know, they've been introduced to that side of me and they kind of like it as well. So um, thank you for noticing. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned you were working in tech. Um, so you're doing this at first on the side as like a part-time thing. Uh, can you talk about maybe your roles in tech coming out of school? Yeah, so I went to WPI um, and I studied biomedical cellular engineering and I loved it. I, you know, I spent my whole senior year in a lab and, um, you know, I did well there. I just, after that senior year, I was like, any entry level role that I take is going to be in cell culture. I'm going to be in the lab. And this just isn't for me. It's very isolating and um, antisocial. And I kind of thought just by working with my peers and in the industry, I kind of thought if I can speak engineer, but also speak business, I feel like that's going to be a really like magical combination. Because I noticed in my senior thesis that a lot of the really, really smart um, engineers had trouble, you know, creating a deck or getting in front of an audience presenting. And that was kind of where I started to shine. You know, I was like less into the engineering part and really liked kind of organizing the troops and like planning our our presentations and, and all that good stuff. So um, after college, I took a role as a um, applications project manager. So I worked basically managing engineers through web implementation projects at an agency in Somerville. I was there for two years. And then I went over to New Balance, where I did, again, application project management. I worked in-house on the IT team, managing um, different departments who wanted to implement softwares internally. So I would work with marketing, helping them implement marketing software as being the liaison between the software company and our team. You know, I worked with um, quality assurance, manufacturing to help them implement all of these, um, you know, efficiency softwares to help run their businesses faster and more efficient. Um, and really at that time, that was probably in um, 2018, 2018, that Boston Food Journal was kind of blowing up. And I thought, you know what, I really like this. and I think I'm naturally very good at it. So I want to ch- kind of try it. So New Balance was hiring a digital marketing role and I had worked with the team a little bit. So I kind of went in there and and gave it my best pitch and they ended up hiring me. And that's when I made the switch from IT into digital marketing. And I was doing um, digital marketing management at New Balance for another two years before going solo on my own. That's great. It's interesting to hear because I keep coming back to this word of like meshing or synergies because it's cool to hear you talk about both, you know, how you transitioned from IT to more on the digital side. And I feel like understand, you know, you understand the the technical side of the engineering, but also can present and, you know, put together a pitch deck. You know, it's got to be huge for you now as a business owner, you've kind of seen all the different sides of things and you obviously have to wear a lot of different hats. How do you prioritize on a day-to-day basis when you have so many different things going on? Well, honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, Like you said, I do have two very different businesses, Boston Food Journal, and then my consulting business, 117 Media. 
Um, there are some synergies there, but they are essentially separate businesses. Mm-hmm. I try to keep days, um, you know, I try to keep whole days dedicated to one or the other. So if I know that I have a Boston Food Journal shoot on, you know, for two hours one day, I say that that's going to be a day for content, community management, strategy planning, all that good stuff. If I don't, and I have a lot of meetings for 11.7 Media, I try to keep that very much 11.7 Media, you know, sit down, do the, the paperwork, do the behind the scenes stuff, scheduling, copywriting, all that good stuff. So I try to just like keep the days different. Um, one thing that I've learned, and again, this is not something I've mastered. It's actually something I really, really struggle with. But one thing I have learned having done this now almost two years is I need to try to keep my nights and weekends somewhat work free. Otherwise, it's just it never ends. Um, I think being an entrepreneur, as you know, it just you're never not working. And I've learned that that can be really tiring. And both of my businesses suffer when I'm burnt out. Um, so I've tried to really cap my nights, you know, six or seven you know, weekends do a little work, but then do something not work related. You know, I don't really schedule Boston Food Journal events on weekends. I just like to keep them open and free. So I'm able to do like whatever it is that my heart desires. Obviously, there's more nights I work till, you know, 10, 11 p.m. than not. But trying to keep that structure and maintain that is something that I is very helpful to me and something I want to like keep working on. That's very smart. I definitely feel your pain on that. Uh, But it's smart to have that structure in place because, there definitely becomes a point of diminishing <laughs> returns where it's like, right. you know, the more you work to, to some degree can be helpful, but then like you said, you're just burning yourself out. So that's right. smart. And I like the idea of devoting um, time to one set business or one set task rather than jumping back and forth. Um, that yep. makes sense. Um, so could you talk a little bit about, obviously you don't need to get into like, the numbers or anything, but just how you structured some of your initial brand partnerships and reaching out to these different <clears throat> restaurants or different brands when you were getting started? Yeah. So basically, um, income in the influencing industry is very gray. There's no right or wrong answer. You mm-hmm. can have one influencer charging X and another influencer charging Y with the same followership and engagement. It's how you feel that you're you know, everyone has a different hour, hourly rate, right? right? Well, it's the same thing. You base your your rates off of your experience level, your engagement, you know, the hard data and hard numbers, but also how much time you have, um, how valuable you feel your time is. So it's something I've just learned through experience, you know, in the six year, years I've been doing this, but I actually do have a manager who I work with um, who does all of my business deals for me. And when, once I hired her and her team, <clears throat> you know, we really sat down and, and tried to figure out the best way to, to structure my payments and whatnot. So that's been a huge help for me. I will say in the beginning, when I first started charging, I did a lot of like research and looked at CPM, you know, cost per thousand impressions and tried to figure it out that way, very mathematically. And then, you know, layer in my time on top of that. I would say I came a little bit low with that, but again, there's no right or wrong answer. It's basically what you feel is right based on your time. Of course, there's things that are going to be completely out of box for brands and you're going to kind of realize, okay, I'm way too high or, oh, I'm way too low. Um, But again, it's really all personal, just like consultants charge different hourly rates, lawyers charge different hourly rates. It's kind of the same thing there. Makes sense. Yeah. And I feel (laughs) like there's there's definitely a tendency. I know uh, personally when getting started in any industry, I'm sure this is the case. You, You have a tendency when you're looking for work not that you're desperate, but you tend to lowball yourself. Yep. I know oh, I yeah. 
And then once you get a handful of clients or you have some more experience, then you build that confidence to kind of know your worth. Yep. That's such a common thing. To be honest, I still do it um, with both business, you know, not as much with Boston Food Journal because I have my manager, you know, safeguarding that and, and protecting me there. But, you know, everyone undercharges and undervalues themselves, which it sucks. It's like, you don't want to come off one way, but you don't want to like work for free. It's a really hard thing to figure out. And I'm still learning Mm -hmm. it as well. Like I am by no means perfect at all of this. Like there are days where I'm like, wow, I am just so off in so many ways. And then some days where I'm like, I'm crushing it. But I think that's just like the way it goes. Um, But I think, you know, you got to get a feel for the industry first. You got to understand it. You got to do the research. Nowadays, a lot of people are like, tell me what you charge. And I will never tell someone what I charge. That's my personal. Right. um, You know, of course, like certain people in my life know, but that's personal for me. And it's like, I'm happy to tell someone how I figured it out, where I got to where I'm at. But it's like, you got to put in the effort to kind of feel out your industry, see what's out there. Ask other people, see if other people will tell you or, you know, look online. There's a lot of information online about this stuff right now. Right. Um, And, you know, you're going to change over time. Nothing is like set in stone. Absolutely. Yeah, it's constantly, constantly evolving in in that regard. I know I look back at emails from years ago and I'm like, what was I doing? I was like, yeah, (laughs) just but, you know, it was a different in a different place at that time. So but uh yeah, that's that's very interesting. I feel like that's the entre- entrepreneur's dilemma. What you were talking about is, you know, you have like supreme confidence some days and everything's clicking. And then other days it's super deflating. We're like, yep. is anyone going to call me back? Like what's going right. on? And then you have that kind of like feast or famine. Like then then the next day you'll get three calls for new business. You're like, OK, we're back. Um, you know, one thing that my dad said that really stuck out when I started was, as a consultant, clients are going to come and clients are going to go. It's just part of it. You're going to lose clients and you're going to gain. And usually for me, you know, I'm so grateful that a lot of the clients I have now I've had, you know, since the very beginning, which Mm. is an amazing feeling, but there have been some that have come and gone. And usually when they leave, someone else comes knocking, you know, at your door. It's like, it's a, you know, you can't get your, in the the beginning, I was like, oh my God, they're leaving me. But you (laughs) know, it's, that's the business. Consulting is in and out and coming and going. And that's just like what it is. And that was comforting to me to hear. That is very comforting. You have that uh, understanding going into it. That's got to be helpful. Um, Because like you said, obviously a sustainable relationship is everybody's, you know, ideal of having like a lifetime client. But the reality Mm -hmm. is some people need you for six months on this campaign and it goes well. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Right. So, yeah, that's it's especially true now with COVID. I think mm-hmm. everybody's business models are changing because right. life's changing by the minute. So it's like where they could have afforded you one week, they might not the next based on what's going on in the world. It's, you know, it's, there's so many factors involved in it. So um, yeah. Co- yeah. COVID has hit industries in a lot of different ways. I definitely had people that, you know, lessened the the type of services that we were providing for them but then in the same breath there were people that wanted to double down because they needed to find a new way to market to their to their audience so it's interesting to see how it affects people Mm -hmm. um i was just looking some more at your at your page um for the boston food journal one of the things that stuck out to me that i liked from a just like creative aesthetic standpoint is the 
post that you've been doing that series with like the heels. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty cool. How did that uh, come about? Just I'm interested to hear about that. Cause that. Yeah. So those are my favorite and I'm so happy that everyone loves them because for me, it's like everything I love in one photo and it's like a real test of my creativity and I love it so much. Um, so actually I was planning a studio shoot with a friend of mine who I actually worked with at New Balance and we were in a studio and I did, we didn't know what to shoot. I just brought a bunch of props mm-hmm. and I had showed him a photo that I was inspired by, um, by the Hess twins who are local fashion bloggers and DJs. And they had, they do a lot of sneaker culture and they had a really cool pic of a sneaker with a purse kind of draped over it. Okay. And I thought, okay, that'd be kind of cool, but to do with like a heel and food. Um, so we were definitely inspired by, by their photos in that sort of, um, you know, similar, you know, shooting style. Um, so at the time I had just randomly thrown in my car, green heels and donuts. Now I would never probably pair those, but whatever. It was the first one and we just kind of did it. It was funny. And then people loved it. And we were like, Oh my God, we should keep doing this. And then it just became a thing. And now we try to shoot like, you know, once every other month, get a couple looks down, but it's a consistent series. And some people have bought our prints. Um, people want them on shirts. Yeah, people want good. calendars. It's kind of crazy, but we, we enjoy it. Um, I love being able to work with Tucker, my photographer. He's amazing. Um, it's just, I think two like creative people combining to create art and it's just very fun. Yeah, that's great. I think you should definitely do some, do some merch. Those would definitely sell well. Yeah, it would be kind of cool. Um, you mentioned the Hess twins. The, so that's like Linda Holiday's daughters, yes. right? So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wanted mm-hmm. to make sure it was the right one. Okay. Nice. Do you, um, as far as like other influencers, do you collaborate or work with other, obviously you work with a lot of different photographers and stuff like that. Do you ever um, collaborate with other uh, like fashion influencers in the city? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love collaborating with influencers that are a little bit out of my, um, my niche, just because I think cross pollinating audiences is really important. So right. I've done a bunch of stuff with one of my good friends, Sarah Lapierre runs the account with Sarah. And we've done a lot of in the past, you know, pre COVID um, makeup and beauty slash food series. We did hungry for beauty, which was a series we did for a while where we did, you know, donut inspired makeup looks or food face masks or lipsticks that will last through brunch, like really cool ideas like that. We did videos. Um, I've collaborated with Boards by Mo. She's amazing. She does the um, charcuterie boards in Boston. And we've done a collab. You know, I, I love collaborating with other bloggers and other influencers and photographers and creatives. I think it's just a great way to extend your reach and also support someone else and their brand. Absolutely. So I'm interested to hear some more about Eleven uh, Seven, um, the media company that you got going. Uh, how did how did that come about? Obviously, it's a natural transition from the space that you're in, but just interested to hear about how that started. Yeah, um, I had always known that I wanted to work for myself. I think I just always had that entrepreneurial, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at New Balance for in a total of, you know, three or four years. I left New Balance to work for another very large corporate company here in Boston. Um, not going to say where, but managing their <laughs> social account. Okay. And I literally hated it. It was terrible. It was not a fit for me. It was probably, I just couldn't stand it. And mm-hmm. one day I went into HR and I said, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back tomorrow. I'm not even giving you two weeks. I'm leaving now. 
Yeah. And I walked out, I resigned. And Good at that point you. I was like, I've never done anything like that in my life, but I was like, I can't. Fed up, yeah. You know, yeah, I was fed up. And at that point I was like, this is the sign I've been waiting for to start my own company. I had already been LLC'd. I, I LLC'd like two years prior to that, just in case. Right. Um, and that was around the holidays in 2019. So I spent the holidays with my family, working on my business plan, started pitching people early 2020, locked in a few clients, and the rest is really history. Luckily, Boston Food Journal is one of my biggest um, billboards for, for me and my work. I think most people find me that way. Right. So it wasn't super hard for me to find a client. And I feel very lucky and fortunate for that because I know right. that's not always the case. Um, I think just because of the work that I had done with Boston Food Journal, it was just people saw that I was running a consulting agency and they, you know, if they needed someone that's, that they called me. So. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, it's funny. It, it's just uh, an example I was thinking of because I work with a landscaping company is basically, you know, you go to a land, let's say you're like pitching a landscaper at his house and you see mm-hmm. that he has like an amazing immaculate front yard. So it's the same kind of thing where, you see the work that you're doing for yourself and you're like, okay, I trust her to handle my brand. Look at what she's done with her portfolio. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, that's great. And then obviously once you have a handful of clients or even just getting that first initial client is so huge to leverage, to get the next ones. um, That's obviously something that is, is huge in in that industry. So. Oh, completely. Yeah. A lot of my, my current clients are referrals. Um, Referrals are huge. I'm always big on just be a good, fair person. I say that to everyone that is starting an influencing blog or whatever. I'm like, just treat the industry with respect and care about people and do things for the right reasons. And if you're just an honest, good person, you know, the work will come and the referrals will come. People just want to want to work with you. I think sometimes people can be a little greedy and like, forget about that. Absolutely. That's good. We'll have to clip that that quote because that is a very good uh, sentiment and I totally agree with it. And, you know, sometimes, like you said, people can get pushy or greedy where they're like, you know, forcing things down your throat a bit. And that never that never comes off well. And it certainly is not a sustainable business uh, right. strategy. So, right. you know, being an honest, good person is always going to win out in the end. And every time. Uh, like you said, it may not be an immediate turnaround, but then, you know, a year later you hear from someone you did, did work with that turns you on to someone new. So, so true. And I love what you said there, because to be honest, when I started Boston food journal, I was doing so much for everyone else and not doing, not really looking for or getting anything in return. Mm -hmm. You know, I was working my nine to five, then going and sitting and breaking bread with restaurant owners, getting to know them out of like a general curiosity and care, right? Um, giving them posts, giving them engagement, not asking even for free food, not asking for money at all, just getting to know my industry. And now, you know, and I did that tirelessly to the point where I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. You know, it's exhausting leaving your house at 8 a.m. and getting home at 10 p.m. It's like, it's hard. Um, And now some of those people that I did that with, six years ago are some of my highest paying clients today. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's true. It's, it's, you just have to get to know your industry and not be greedy and, and, and care. If you don't genuinely right. care or have passion, like people see right through that, especially today. Yeah. Yeah. And you went in and basically provided value right up front. And, right. and like you said, you were inquisitive or 
curious, which is also something I think people just naturally gravitate towards. Like mm-hmm. even, even in a personal setting, when someone's asking you good questions, you're like, okay, this person actually cares about right. my life. So this is great. Um, right. And yeah, you see it kind of come to fruition at different, different times as far as like monetary value. But really, if you're not going in with any like preconceived notions and you're just trying to help, then it usually benefits everybody in the long run. Exactly. That's awesome. Um, so what, what stuff are you working on now? I mean, I know, obviously, I've been keeping up with your Instagram stuff. So I kind of seen a few of the partnerships you have, but what are you excited about right now? I mean, I've got a lot of good stuff in the works. Um, you know, I love working with my local brands and local restaurants and companies, but I'm also really excited to have some larger brand collaborations coming down the line. Um, personally, I'm a huge fan of fall. Mm-hmm. It's like my, I know I am like a basic, basic girl, but <laughs> I love today. fall. Yeah, exactly. Bring it on. I love fall. I love fall food, fall fashion, fall, you know, environment, like, you know, leaves and all that. So I'm excited to create some fall content. Actually, last year I did this beautiful, like fall candy board. And I remember William, William Sonoma reposted it. It was very exciting. So I'm like, I can't wait to whip that out again and just yeah. like do a lot of pumpkin fall stuff and get creative there. Maybe go to Salem. I love all that. Oh yeah. Salem's great. Um, that'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big, big fall fashion fan too. Also gotta, <laughs> gotta love the fall football too. Yes. Fall but, football. How could I forget? Yes. Sunday so, football. Yep. Um, but that's great. How many good uh, things about fall really? And then yeah. you have like the holidays to look forward to. And, and then you get yeah. to like January, February, which is like the worst. Yeah, it's kind of like those dead months, like not yeah. <laughs> stay inside yep. and hibernate. Yep. But that is a good stretch right there. The the Thanksgiving and it is stretches. Really we're, nice. we're going into the, the best stretch of the year. So absolutely. Yeah, I definitely have noticed I was going to talk to you a little bit about it, but definitely wanted to commend you on just your social like engagement and interactions as far as Thank you. getting, you know, not only getting major brands to kind of engage with you which is obviously huge for just like audience growth and that type of thing but uh even you know on a personal level with with your audience I feel like you have a really uh personalized like touch in the way you're answering people so thank you that's huge because that is difficult to do at scale like you're scaling to a pretty significant level now so definitely have a lot of respect for that Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. The community management is, it's tough. Um, but I think it's so important. And I, I have so many conversations in my DMS with so many people I would probably never recognize across the street, but like we talk every day. It's like, I, you know, if it's, if it's nice, kind conversation, I encourage it. So I'm always checking my DMS and comments and I think it's important to, you know, have a pulse on that stuff. So. Absolutely. Great. Well, uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for the fall fall posts to come and different oh, yeah. stuff that we'll be working on. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for for taking the time out. Of course, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. <laughs>